This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void or prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello again, everyone, and welcome into another episode of Finsider Radio, The Jake and Josh Show. I am your host, Josh Houts. You can follow me on Twitter, at Houts, and I am joined by the greatest co-host in the entire universe, the one, the only, Jake Mendel. You can find him on Twitter at, at J-M-E-N-D-E-L-94. How are you doing today, man? Joshua, it's Friday. Oh, my God, I'm excited. Friday, I, I usually Friday, don't Friday. work. A normal Monday to Friday week, but I get that this week, and, and I'm super jacked up about it. There's a lot for us to talk about it, and we have our rundown here. We're ready to go, but but I think we need to first touch on something from our last podcast where uh, Kyle Van Noy didn't necessarily get cut yet, and <laughs> I think it's safe to say the Twitter really puts a monkey wrench into a lot of things NFL teams are trying to do because Kyle Van Noy, you know, released his uh, uh, you know comments. And now there are reports coming out that he hasn't necessarily been cut yet as the Miami Dolphins try to trade him and try to maybe save a few extra dollars on that cap. Yeah, and I mean, to me, it's just, I don't know what it is. I mean, did Kyle Van Noy reach out and report that he was getting released and, you know, maybe he threw a monkey wrench in this? No one truly knows, but to me, I don't know how much leverage the Dolphins truly have now after, you know, it being reported that he was going to be cut. He even put out a statement, like you said, and now they're trying to trade him. I mean, does Kyle Van Noy have trade value? I think absolutely, but when you look at the contract the next team would be taking on, I mean, what could the Dolphins get here? I mean, a compensatory, you know, uh, fifth round pick maybe that could be a fourth depending on how many snaps I mean we see it in the NFL every year I mean some guys get traded who are very good players for what looks like you know pennies to the dollar so um, I, I don't think the Dolphins will ultimately be able to move Kyle Van Noy but it's just another turn in this you know wild offseason that we're we're only getting started with. Josh, I'm going to give you a take outside the box. You know, the Dolphins have been doing a lot of forward thinking with this rebuild. They they are taking a different uh angle at it and I don't think the Dolphins are going to get any draft picks for Kyle Van Noy however I think they might trade a draft pick to get rid of Kyle Van Noy to get that salary completely off the books I don't know what it would take I'm not saying like a second or a third round pick but but 
the Ryan Tannehill trade a few years ago. The Dolphins got a fourth, but they had to eat some of the contract. What I see here is maybe there's a team out there that has that cap space. I know it's tough because uh, I believe it's $20 million lower than usual. But I think the only way a trade happens here, and I think it's incredibly interesting, and I'd like to get your take on this, is maybe the Dolphins need to send a fifth-round pick uh, and Kyle Van Noy to get like a seventh in return. And, you know, we can make the, the, the big, big argument of, you know, Jay Ajayi was a, a fifth round pick. So was Rashad Jones, Zach Thomas. I mean, obviously every fifth round pick isn't this outstanding talent, but, but obviously you could find value there. And I, and Josh, if the Dolphins can save that, what, $4 million in dead cap this year and then another two dead ca- in dead cap next year and then another $1 million in dead cap, would you think about maybe moving or sweetening Kyle Van Noy's contract with a fifth-round pick if that means you get those few extra dollars on the salary cap, especially in a few years away where the cap is a little lower and the future hopefully is trending up, but we don't know that for sure? I think it's definitely a possibility, but again, I, I don't know how much um, a team's going to want to take on that cap. I mean, because then the Dolphins have to take on you know some of that salary, and we saw it, what was it, two years ago when the Dolphins released Ryan Tannehill. I mean, he made the AFC Championship game, and the Dolphins were essentially paying him to do so. So um, lots of things to come about here. And, Jake, one interesting note, and I know we didn't really want to talk about Deshaun Watson too much about this podcast, but you mentioned him being traded, and for some reason, you know, it piqued <laughs> my interest because tell me where Nick Casario, Kass- I still don't know his name, Nick Casario. Oh, He's connected with I the Patriots. It. So, I mean, <laughs> let's let's start that. I mean, we keep hearing, oh, they need to throw in Xavier Howard. Why not throw in Kyle Van Noy, a leader on the defense? Tua, two first-round picks. I mean, uh, I'm going to get hated on for this, but it was just the first thing that came to mind when you said Kyle Van Noy because he definitely has that, uh, that history with Nick Casario up there in New England. And the cool, cool thing about that is, I mean, this is more uh... – relevant in basketball but but they have like matching contracts this year watson's cap hits about to be you know i think 12 million for this year before it really starts to go up and and that's what bad noise scheduled to make josh i i think that is a a very interesting perspective and i think it is certainly worth noting and you know just because we're talking about these things like, like a watson trade or or whatever the dolphins decide to do isn't a huge alarm to get really defensive about what your opinion is. I think it's healthy and important to talk about these things. I love that thought, you know, because that's what the Dolphins have been doing, thinking of ways uh, to really maneuver the roster outside of the box. And that would be a great scenario where, you know, you sweeten a deal with a a Kyle Van Noy too, where the contracts match up really well. You get that leader. I mean, the Houston Texans are going to have an incredibly young team. They're going to need to wash out a lot of, uh, you know, bad taste in their mouth. And I think bringing in a leader like Van Noy, who is going to be probably pretty happy because he's going to be making a decent amount of money. I, I think that is an interesting, interesting idea, Josh. Like, like, like you said, though, we're not going to spend too, too much time about it because uh, people are going to shout at the wall at us, known as Twitter, that, you know, how dare we? How dare we disrespect Tua, which I we've never done anything. We've never said anything negative about him. But <laughs> here we are. Uh, Josh, I think we have a little bit more of Alabama news that kind of came out this week. Don't we always when we're talking about Tua? And, you know, it's just <laughs> – it. I mean, I had I went to the store yesterday, and I, I said I bought a shout for 30 cents, and I got ratioed because uh, Dante from Dolphins Talk said, you know, what, what did the shallot say? Did he like Mac Jones more than Tua? And it's just this ongoing saga. I mean, every day they're asking one of his receivers, you know, is it Mac Jones, is it Tua? And no one knows why they're saying the things they are, but it's just so much drama 
that's unnecessary. But let's get into the big news. And it was a few days ago. I mean, again, this is a rundown that we had a couple days ago before the Kyle Van Noys broke. Sorry, I like the is- Kyle Van Noys. That's nice. Kyle Van <laughs> Kyle Van, okay, we'll just call it Kyle Van News. Um, so oh, it, what we what we heard was it was Najee Harris, and he said Alabama, uh, they ran a very similar offense to what he learned there at the Senior Bowl with the Miami Dolphins coaching staff. He said a lot of the terminology was the same, and I think, you know, we heard about it before, and I think it was Jim Nagy, the guy that runs the Senior Bowl, he even said, you know, the Dolphins don't need to name an offensive coordinator because, you know, they have a very simplistic offense here at the Senior Bowl. You know, they're not going out there and really tipping their hand, but to hear these things, to hear that there's so many similarities within the Miami Dolphins offense, an offense run by Tuatana Valoa, I mean, if you weren't already trying to mock, and you know, we know how useless mock drafts are, if you weren't already putting <laughs> Najee Harris and Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle, at least in consideration for Miami, I mean, uh, I think when the Dolphins drafted to a, the the grand scheme of things, the way they wanted this offense to look was very similar to what they're running in Alabama. So um, part of me wants to say, you know, this is uh, a huge underlying, you know, sentiment that these offenses are going to go out there and draft one of these Alabama guys. I don't know that that's true because, again, Nagy said that these offenses were dumbed down a little bit. But uh, I think if the Dolphins want to have that offense that we all hope and, you know, again, what they truly hoped that they were going to get when they drafted Tua Tonvaloa, I think that's what this offense is going to look like. Yeah, and – the the running back conversation it it's it has some layers to it and it started out as you know you draft Najee Harris and the it's fixed right the the running back room is fixed right then and there snap the fingers um and then there came out the reports about Aaron Jones and the Miami Dolphins having mutual interest which I, I still think is a little interesting and and I really think that people sometimes are getting a little too frustrated when it comes to cap space and they're taking 12 million dollars maybe out of context in terms of what that means to the overall salary cap Uh, but that again is a a story we've already talked about um josh i'm really starting to warm up to the idea of maybe the dolphins signing someone and maybe taking a, a top 90 draft pick because i mean you think about it last year they had to go out and sign a DeAndre Washington. Selvan Ahmed saved them a couple weeks there. I mean, the depth at running back is very important. It's very necessary. And when what I mean by the Dolphins signing someone is you have someone you can draft with the very fresh legs, whether it's Najee Harris. I'm going to have you tell me about Javante Williams in, in just a minute here. Uh, but I think adding someone like uh, Aaron Jones, I even this popped in my head the other day, a James White. The ability to pick up the pass rush, the ability to read defenses before the snap. Running backs do that too. Everybody on offense does this too, not just the quarterback. I think there's a huge value there. And, you know, rookie rookies got to grow into that kind of stuff, right? You're not going to be able to completely shut down uh, blitzing 250-pound linebackers uh, week one, right? That, that just isn't how it works. You shouldn't expect a 20-year-old to do that. So I kind of like the idea of, of maybe doing two things here and then having like Gaskin and maybe even a Laird or whoever it may be as your third and fourth is an incredible room. And the Dolphins need to run the football. I need to add two. I've said it time and time again that the Dolphins need a playmaker, someone who... Once you're inside the 20s, can really take it the distance so you don't get necessarily always have to force your way inside the 10, force your way inside the 5. You're losing that field. Friend of the program, Chris Cochran, sent me a, a, he tagged me in a video that was just Reggie Bush highlights in Miami. And I got to tell you, man, 
if there were eight highlights, six of them was 17 to 22 yard touchdown runs where he just took it that extra, uh, you know what, 10 yards into the, into the end zone where you beat the secondary and you don't have to worry about the field shrinking for you. I think that would be such an incredible bonus for the Dolphins if someone like James White, Aaron Jones can come in and really provide that extra 20 yard cushion because we, you know, spent so long last year on podcasts talking about, well, they should have went for it on fourth down or, well, why'd they kick a field goal here? That fixes it. That makes everyone's job easier. And, and signing running backs goes far beyond what their performance is going to be in terms of maybe rushing yards, in terms of touchdowns. When you go inside the numbers, when you look at little things like uh, pressures picked up or just a 22-yard carry from the 22-yard line is much different than a 22-yard carry from, let's say, your own you know 30-yard line. And what's so funny about the Reggie Bush thing is that we were talking about it when the Matt Burita signed here, at least I was. You know, I said it besides the number, you know, this guy had a lot of those same traits and intangibles as a Reggie Bush. And we thought he was going to explode onto the scene. And Jake, I don't know if you saw it, but the Dolphins, you know, they tweeted out uh, happy birthday to Matt Burita. And I don't even think Matt Burita's under contract this coming year. So uh, that's something interesting to, to see how that plays out because, you know, they made a trade for a Burita. They made a trade for DeAndre Washington. One of those guys you would think might be able to stick around and, and be, you know, some depth there at the running back position. Because, again, I think this this coaching staff loves Miles Gaskin. I think they got to like what they saw in Salvin Ahmed. But you mentioned a guy like James White. I mean, that's a player that, you know, we're hearing about the big names in free agency. You don't even think about some of these little guys, you know. I think mm-hmm. uh, Gus Edwards from the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, this is a name that, you know, in some – Again, I always go back to fantasy, but he had some monster weeks. I mean, this is a guy that could go for, you know, next to nothing on the open market. So there's going to be so many options available. And I think that's why the Dolphins, you know, at 18, Najee Harris seems like the perfect fit, you know, the perfect pick because he he is that. I mean, he's everything you want in a running back. I mean, the guy is just built in a lab, it seems. But when you look at the running backs throughout the draft and just, you know, the way this team or the coaching staff, again, has addressed the position, I don't know if they're going to spend that big draft pick. And you mentioned mm-hmm. Javante Williams. I wrote an article for the Finsider on him. And, I mean, this guy, I looked it up because he had the same size as Ricky Williams. You know, he has the same last name. And I just kept picturing <laughs> it in my head, you know, is this going to be the next Ricky Williams? He's not the same as Ricky Williams. Ricky Williams was, you know, a back before his times. But Javante Williams, I mean, this guy can do everything. He's a threat in the passing game. I saw him, you know, take someone's soul pass protecting and then he just you know can do everything in the run game he can jump over people spin out and then he just trucks through them so I think that he would be that perfect complimentary back to what they already have in Miles Gaskin and again this could be a guy that you get at the top of the second round so there's tons of options I mean that's one running back and the list can go on a Chubba Hubbard uh, uh, Michael Carter another back from UNC I mean again the list can go on and on and uh, you know it could be the same the same can be said about the receiver position too I mean both mm-hmm. these positions we will address in free agency I believe and lots of decisions here but I think you and I can both agree they're bringing in a dynamic playmaker running back and they're bringing in at least one if not two dynamic playmakers at wide receiver yeah and and just to kind of wrap up this conversation here you know there are a lot of people who say just kind of draft someone in the fourth fifth round and keep replacing it over and over I mean Lamar Miller Jay Ajayi those are a couple guys who stick out to me but I think there's a, a level to this uh, winning football plays, you know, you think about winning basketball plays, uh, you know, the diving on the floor, setting those hard screens. That's why I'm starting to warm up to the idea of maybe bringing in a, another veteran, whether it's someone not a little more expensive, maybe it's someone like James White who can get up maybe a little bit more on the cheaper side, is just those extra winning plays that rookies, uh, maybe even second-year players really can't do yet that, that might not be on the stat sheet. You know, we see, like everyone kind of brought up, I mean, th- I think Zach Stacy his rookie year, seventh-round pick. Yeah, you can rush for all the yards, but, I mean, are these Super Bowl-winning teams? Are these, you know, playoff, you know, contenders? 
I don't know if that debate is really there. And, and I certainly do understand the concept of fifth-round picks. The value is there. They're cheap. But but I do think there's an extra level here that is, is kind of being overlooked when you go about that uh, line of thinking. Absolutely. And another name, I mean, I'm, I pulled up Spotrack to look at some of these uh, free agent veteran running backs. I mean, go down the list. I, you know Dolphin fans love Duke Johnson. I mean, Chris Carson's out there. You know, Wayne Gallman, Corey Clement, Dwayne Washington, Kenya Wayne Drake. Wayne Gallman would be a lot of fun. I, th- I, I mean, think I he's a very undervalued guy. Le'Veon Bell, I mean, it's the, lo- the further down the list you go, I mean, there's a bunch of names. So it just goes to tell you, I mean, we already hear with the way these teams are making moves that they're setting up to be, you know, this is going to be a crazy free agency. And again, I think the Dolphins have to address both these positions moving forward. Jake, I think we should jump into a break, and then when we come back, we will talk about some of the free agent wide receivers out there, in particular Marvin Jones and his comments about joining the Dolphins. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Marvin Jones, let's make it happen, he said. I believe it was on Instagram when asked about joining the Miami Dolphins. And, and Josh, we, we said that about running backs, and I think it's very true about the wide receiver class. I think that while the Dolphins could and, and maybe even should uh, maybe spend a little extra money to get one of those top-tier talents, again, I'm still the Allen Robinson guy through and through, um, but, I mean, adding a guy like Marvin Jones and then you have free agents like T.Y. Hilton – you could really put together a, a thorough group that has a lot of depth, especially when you have guys like Preston Williams, Devontae Parker, who have had injury issues in the past. And you add on the point that Tua is most comfortable. He's at his best when you spread the field wide. So you're going to need three, four, sometimes probably most of the time, five guys out there who can catch the ball and make a play. And, and that, to me, screams someone like T.Y. Hilton specifically. But Josh... As we talk about this stuff more and more, uh, opinions change, we grow, we learn, and, and that is the way it should be. What is your feeling, what is your hopes, your dreams for what the Dolphins do at the wide receiver position, strictly in free agency? For me, Jake, and I think the biggest pipe dream that I've had, and, and honestly, it started with his time at Ohio State, and it's been Curtis Samuel. I mean, I've drafted him every season in fantasy football. He's a guy who I've been waiting to literally break out every year with the Panthers. He finally did, and he's only 25 years old, and I think he does a lot of those things that the Dolphins need. Again, he can, you know, he lines up in the backfield. He can do that too, but, you know, he's he's that slot receiver that creates separation and can create big plays, and again, he has been in Carolina. You know, last year's with Teddy Bridgewater, I had higher expectations for him than some others, but... I think Curtis Samuel landing in the right spot is going to be a big-time playmaker. Uh, Aside from that, I mean, he might get that big contract. But you go down this list, I mean, a guy like John Ross, I mean, we all remember him. He got, what, he got some crazy money for breaking the – the 40-yard combine <laughs> time. I mean, he's done nothing with the Bengals, but he's that player that, you know, all he needs is maybe another chance in the right place. So, uh, again, just like the running backs, you can go down this list. There's plenty of playmakers that could come in here and add value. But for me, it's, I keep looking at Curtis Samuel, and I know Dolphin fans love Juju Smith, so that's another name to throw out there. But uh, lots of options. But I didn't even mention Chris Godwin because, let's be honest, he's not going he's to the agency. Tag, yeah. But if he does, I mean, I think that's uh, – if, if you're enamored by Allen Robinson, I would say Chris Chris Godwin's my uh, 
I, I don't know. <laughs> Somebody I love. Pipe dream. Somebody I love. I like it. I like it. <laughs> Something, too, that I, I think is worth pointing out is um, when I did the In the Hunt podcast, uh, one of my shining things I created was the Andre uh, Branch pyramid scheme, where he was dominant for a year and parlayed that into a huge deal with the Dolphins, another three years, uh, $30 million or, or I can't, I don't have the contract numbers on top of my head. Uh, sorry, I, I don't keep track of Andre Branch too, too much. But what I'm trying to get at is I think receiver could be a good opportunity for the Dolphins to get some guys in one-year prove-it deals. You look at what the team wants to do. You look at how they're trying to revamp the offense. So if you're going into a room to negotiate with some of these guys, let's say Will Fuller, who's coming off an injury, about to be a free agent, you, you say, hey, you're 27 years old. You're you are young enough where you're going to get another big payday. We are Our offense is going to be very different than it was last year. I mean, every team's going to say our offense is going to be good. I, I certainly get that part. But what I mean is that you know we're going to have a revamped offense with a lot of different playmakers. And if you come here for one year, you shine, you step up, you, you play like we know you can, then you can go get that last big contract instead of waiting, uh, instead of doing it this year, like where we mentioned before the break, the cap space isn't what it should be. So maybe you could get a, a Will Fuller, maybe a little on the relatively cheap side, maybe a Zach Pascal in a one-year prove-it deal. T.Y. Hilton, 32, that might be a guy who might try to lean towards a, a team that's really a little closer to being a contender. But I'm really interested to see uh, what the different moves the Dolphins make here because Alan Hearns, uh, Albert Wilson, we don't know if they're going to be on the team, but those are the type of guys I expect the Dolphins to go after, guys who – Kind of fly under the radar. I mean, Alan Hearns was the perfect example. One-year deal, balled out. They extend the contract a little longer. Obviously, it wasn't the most, you know, cap space-breaking deal. But but I think that could be a really interesting development for the Dolphins. And, and maybe a guy like John Ross or, or Will Fuller opens up an opportunity there. Absolutely. And I think what's so great about this is, you know, we can sit here, we can talk about the draft, we can mock this guy and that guy. No one truly knows. You know, if there's anything mm -hmm. that we realized after this Kyle Van Noyce night, that no one knows. So the Dolphins, you know, they could be clearing all this cap space to, you know, go ham at two of these prolific wide receivers. You know, we don't know what they're going to do, but you made a great point with the way the salary cap is, with the uncertainty surrounding, you know, the future. A lot of these guys might want to take that one-year deal, might want to go out there and, you know, prove that they can be a long-term answer here in Miami. So lots of good names on this list. I do think we talked about in a previous podcast, but I did hear Marvin Jones had interest in Miami. I think we've all heard that. And again, it goes back to that time with a visit with the New England Patriots. So I think when you look at Marvin Har Marvin Jones, I pulled up his numbers and he's only had one 1,000 yard season in his career, which is crazy to me. But then you look down the list and he's had in the touchdowns, last yep. yeah, touchdowns. Yep. Nine touchdowns in, in three of the last four seasons. So, I mean, that is what the Dolphins would absolutely need. And again, he would be that veteran mentor to help some of these young guys. So lots of options. Again, we'll see what happens at free agency to then determine what happens in the draft but Jake we're sitting here talking about wide receivers we forget about the quarterback position you know we all are very happy with Tua Valo. we can sit here and talk about Deshaun Watson rumors still are blue in the face but Ryan Fitzpatrick is not going to be a Miami Dolphin by most accounts this coming year he said time and time again that he wants to be a starter and I gotta be honest I saw Ben Roethlisberger get that new deal why the heck can't Ryan Fitzpatrick he's younger mm -hmm. than than Roethlisberger and I no disrespect to Roethlisberger but in their current state 
based on what we've seen, I mean, we saw a pretty good Ryan Fitzpatrick these last two years. I would take that over what we're seeing up there in Pittsburgh. But the point is, Ryan Fitzpatrick's on his way out. What are the Dolphins going to do at veteran quarterback? And Armando Salgari, the Miami Herald, threw out Brian Hoyer. Uh, I just want to get your thoughts on, you know, what he could bring as far as a veteran and then maybe some of those other names out there. It's a, it's an interesting topic, Josh, and you're you're right about Fitzpatrick and the Roethlisberger comparison. I, Roethlisberger has taken so many big hits over the years, so many injuries. I mean, your body breaks down. Football's a hard game, and Fitzpatrick's remained relatively healthy through his entire career. He's exciting. Uh, he'll put fans in the seat. He'll put bubblegum on helmets, and, you know, you'll have a bunch of good stories you can write. Uh, Josh... Alex Smith, he was released today. The team and him decided to part ways. I kind of like him as the backup because I'm probably going to get attacked for this. I kind of think he and Tua play the quarterback position relatively the same way. Uh, Would you say I'm kind of going somewhere with this? Yes. And then, so that one would be a little interesting to me. Again, the leg scares the crap out of me, but I mean, he played last year. I think he did an all right job. Um, Brian Hoyer, I mean, that's just a really, really bland, the, the grilled cheese of backup quarterbacks. And, and I got to say, if a backup quarterback has to come in, I I, I really don't want to root for Brian Hoyer after just everything, you know, just sticking with the Patriots. Uh, and I think he actually killed us in a couple games, I think, when he was in Cleveland. Uh, Tyrod Taylor is another one that I think is a little interesting, too. Uh, Jacoby Brissett uh, made $15 million last year, three yards per carry, pointed that one out. Uh, I don't think he really will go somewhere with a young quarterback where he's not going to get a jo- uh, chance to be that guy of the future. So I think Alex Smith makes a lot of sense for me, Josh. Who really stands out for you? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's always been, I mean, I guess the Jacoby Brissett thing. I mean, I went back to even before when Brian Flores first came here. I thought that might be the veteran presence in that locker room. So that's definitely a potential. And if they really wanted to get a guy that, you know, oh, man, I'm kind of, I don't even know why I'm saying this. They really want to get a guy that you know could <laughs> you should uh, Mitch, they could they could sign Mitchell Trubisky. I, I don't even know to, <laughs> how to, I don't even know how to set, I don't even know how the hell to set that up. That's what I was trying to, to say. So uh, that's uh, Blake Bortles. I mean, this is what we're this is what we're, we're grasping at straws here. So I I don't know. Uh, I don't Bortles, know, man. I mean, if he needed to come in for a game, I could see him throwing up you know thirty points. But but I already know if it's Trubisky. Uh, you know, I could already, I already know the Salguero smear pieces are coming against Tua and how Trubisky should be the starter after one bad game. I know it. I feel it in my bones. Uh, Josh, on this point too, I, I think I want someone like Alex Smith or even Mitchell Trubisky so I can, I can be that guy. I could be the clickbait guy and say, uh, should the Dolphins add another top five pick to their locker room and just make everyone panic real quick? I think what scares me, what we have to think about with the backup quarterback is what's going to, I mean, I just keep thinking about, you know, Ryan, Tua Tonvaloa gets pulled for, and then I just try to insert that name and try to figure out which one won't be so insulting. And this list is just, I don't know, man. I think I'd rather, I, I think I'd rather see him draft a quarterback and hope to, you know, on day two or three and hope to maybe develop the next Tom Brady, you know, <laughs> instead of going after a CJ Bataru, there's a name. Okay. Wow. Okay. Oh, I, I feel the radar. That was a little blip. I, I think we're onto something. Blaine Gabbert. Oh my God. Yeah. This list. Uh, I don't know, man. This is <laughs> this is bad. They're free agent backup quarterback. No offense. I mean, they're great quarterbacks. They're really talented people. Uh, but they're backup quarterbacks for for that reason. The inconsistencies are are certainly there. Josh, let's start to wrap it up here. And before we uh, talk about our final topic here, I just want to remind everyone if you enjoy what you're listening to. Uh, go ahead and hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to this podcast, iTunes, Spotify, whatever it may be. 
Uh, so you'll know the next time a fin slider, a fin slider, whatever it may be, hits the airwaves, you'll be right there to know about it. And also reviews help us out so much. So if you can uh, leave us a review, let us know what you think. And we take that stuff and, and we use it and we think about it and, and we try to do it to make the show better. Uh, so we appreciate all the support from everyone out there. Uh, we can't say thank you enough. So Josh, you brought up an interesting player that we haven't talked about once, and it was Chris Kaufman, who always seems to be the guy who gets people thinking. Uh, one of my favorite quotes of all time is, uh, I, I forgot who said it, and everyone's going to be screaming at the radio because I'm going to sure they're going to know who it is. Uh, but it's, I don't want to change your mind. I just want to give you a reason to think. And Chris Kaufman is the best at that. He is always outside the box and keeps the conversation going. So, Josh, what did you see from him? Uh, that that you wanted to talk about in the show. Yeah, well, he just threw out, and it's a great point. And I mean, we keep hearing Kyle Pitts' name. I mean, this is a dominant, and he's listed as a tight end. But I mean, let's be honest, this is a receiver, uh, six foot six, two hundred and forty six pounds. Had twelve touchdowns last year with the Gators. Caught forty three balls for seven hundred and seventy yards. But what Chris Kaufman said, and he said, if you want to know what Kyle Pitts, if you're having trouble imagining how Kyle Pitts at number three could impact Miami's offense, start watching twenty twenty highlights of Mike Evans, Chase Claypool. DK Metcalf, Travis Kelsey, and Darren Waller. That's your homework. And like you said, he shows you these videos. He does kind of like what I did with the whole Herbert thing. You know, here's the film. You watch it. Here's what I see. But you make your own decisions. So uh, my question to you was this. We haven't talked about Kyle Pitts. Um, you know, we know we have Mike Kosicki. Everyone's very fond of him. But this guy is just a different breed. And, again, some people list him as – a wide receiver, and also some people believe he might be the best receiver in this class. So we sit here and we focus on the Jamar Chases. We focus on the Devontae Smiths. But, Jake, tell me, how would you feel if the Dolphins, and I know maybe this is crazy, and again, number three overall pick, would you take a guy, could you see the Dolphins taking an impact player like this who, again, could be the best non-quarterback player in this draft? Jake, give me your thoughts because we saw it in New England what two tight ends could do. And, again, he's listed as a tight end. What are your thoughts? Watching those videos, man, he was throwing players around like they were ragdolls, and it was an absolute blast. And you hit the nail on the head that that uh, the two tight end system is not far fetched, and, and I like this idea. And this is why I think it's important to not get worked up when we're talking about free agency because we legitimately have no idea what they're going to do in the draft. Like, we have no idea what the plan is, and I could really, really quickly warm up to the idea of Kyle Pitts. Maybe even a a trade down to a five or six where you're the quarterback run and you can have your cake and eat it too. Uh, sign me up, Josh. I, I don't think the move would break the bank. I think there's more than enough opportunities for both Gasicki and Kyle Pitts to be on the field together. I don't I don't think that'd be any sort of uh, transition at the tight end position. I mean, we that was a nice rhyme I had there. We saw last year the Dolphins scored more tight uh, touchdowns at the tight end position I think in history or back since like 1984 or something crazy like that when Dan Marino was going uh, bananas. So Josh, sign me up for a Kyle Pitts, someone who is just going to, again, get into the secondary and get those extra yards and find his way into the end zone. I am absolutely on board. And there was a time when the Patriots were paying two tight ends. And that's obviously four years down the road. That's obviously a long time from now, but it's a very interesting topic. And I, I think it's something that the Dolphins... And Kaufman brought it up. We should all be looking at because I think there is a lot of value there. I think you can always line up two tight ends. I think you can line them up both wide. I mean, who knows? Maybe the Dolphins will play a team that puts Philip Wheeler on one of them with the game on the line. That would be my dream. After, after they call the timeout. <laughs> after they call timeout. Um, after they call timeout. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, the Reggie Bush. Go, go, go. 
Oh my what? god, I heard it again. It was giving me flashbacks. I was so triggered. Oh my god. It, it, that, that, was, that was such a sad time. Uh, damn, I don't even know where I was going with this. Uh, I completely forget what I was going to say. I think what I was going to say is I think this is just another testament as to why the Dolphins can trade down. Again, I think, you know, P9 Sewell, Sewell, I'm going to F that name up all offseason long. He'd be great there at number three. But if the Dolphins have a team that's going to come up and get a quarterback and you can trade down to seven, six, or eight, you know, somewhere in that area, and then you can have Devontae Smith, Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts, whichever one of those guys falls into your lap. I mean, that to me seems like the best case scenario. Then you have an extra first round pick that you got from trading back. I mean, if the Dolphins don't make a run at Deshaun Watson, that should be the way they approach us. And like like we've said, and like Chris Kaufman has said, if you're not paying attention to Kyle Pitts, it's probably time to do so. Um, I keep seeing 84, Jake. I don't know if I see Chris Chambers flashing before my eyes or if I'm going even further than that. And I see, you know, a Randy Moss. Uh-oh. <laughs> I, I I said it. I, I I don't see I don't see Randy Moss, but eighty four. I, I had no choice. I don't blame I don't blame you whatsoever. I Josh, I think that's a great way to wrap it up. We got our Mike Sherman go go uh, comments out of the way. We got some extra draft talk. I, I think we basically covered all our footsteps here. Uh, thank you so much, guys, for listening. I, I hope you appreciate the show. Send us some comments. Let me know what you think. And who knows? I think off season's a good time to get a mailbag going and i guess the mailbag's a good excuse for you guys to keep yelling at us so keep it coming and we're looking forward to an incredible off season free agency starts in 12 days josh 12 days and then we got a lot more stuff to talk about i can't wait and again like jake said please continue to tune in to us if you like what you're listening to subscribe to the podcast leave us whatever review follow us on twitter because again if you have any questions just reach out for the jake and josh podcast part of the sb nation network We'll talk to you next time. Fins up. That was up. Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl because we're the Miami Dolphins. We're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami.